We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. And the 49ers have done it again. That's eight in a row. Topping the Washington Commanders. Almost said Redskins, excuse me. Topping the Washington Galaxy Quests. If y'all know where I'm coming from. 37 to 20. In a pretty definitive win on both sides of the ball. Not without their, its flaws, but it was a solid win for the 49ers. They will tell you as much. Obviously, from the sound of my voice, I am a tad under the weather. Nothing dramatic, just enough to be annoying. A little bit of sinus stuff. I'm quickly going from Ray Romano to Patty Mahomes or Kermit the Frog. So... The pod may be a little more brief than you're used to, just because I think it's a safe bet that you probably don't want to spend an extended amount of time listening to a guy that sounds like me right now. And it's your Christmas Eve. You're probably hearing about this on Christmas Day. If if the guys at Blue Wire even get to it by then, which no one in the world would blame it to blame me to it. Shout out to Tyler, by the way. But All things considered, let's talk some 49ers. Pretty impressive game for Brock Purdy. We'll start on the offensive side of the ball. Pretty impressive game for Brock Purdy. Again, again. I have to start out, though, with what might have been the most impressive incomplete pass I've ever seen. Purdy was flushed out of the pocket. He's running off to his left. He was blitzed by either a safety or a defensive back. So it was a fast player that he wasn't really going to shake out of his shoes like he can some defensive ends or even linebackers. So he's running, and he's about halfway to the sideline. And the first thing he does is a little dead leg where he drags his leg on the, on the, on the turf as if, if, as if he's about to stop, which clears him a little bit of space. And then given he's running to his left and he's right-handed, He can't really flip his hips to turn and throw it away because that's going to expose him to a hit from the defensive back that's right behind him. So what does he do? Brock Purdy spins away from the play in a 360, coming all the way back around, and right as he's going out of bounds, does this 360 throw down the field. I believe it was actually pretty close to a 49ers pass catcher. I want to say Brandon Ayuk just on first thought, but... It was the most impressive incomplete pass I've ever seen. The only thing I can relate it to was like a 360 no-scope that you almost hit in Call of Duty. And say you're playing with your buddy and you look at each other, you're like, dude, (laughs) that was so close. I'm going to try it again. That's what I felt like we just saw with Brock Purdy. And it's only a matter of time before that dude lands his headshot and pulls off a 360 pass. It's only a matter of time. And I am 100% here for it. 
If he does it, I'm running out the door and down the street and back. Un- it was just, it was fun. If you want to see it, you can go to my Twitter, scroll down a little while, and you'll. Uh, and you know, I took a quick video of it. It was just hilarious. Which it and it, it's very on brand for Purdy because if you watch him, he every game he's had, he's had two, three, maybe four throws that are just off balance, not you know, where he couldn't set his feet or he was on the move or he's changing his arm angle, side arming it somewhere in between. I think he has a throw, a throwaway. I think it could have been complete in college where they have a picture of Brock Purdy, like laying sideways, like two inches off the ground, throwing a pass, like, Frozen in time, just a couple inches off the ground, throwing a pass from that angle. I don't, I don't know what I would search to to find it. I kind of want to like do it while I'm here with you guys to see if I can find it. Brock Purdy, Iowa. No, he's not Iowa, is it? Pass. Brock Purdy, pass. Uh, falling. <laughs> I'm normally a, a stronger, a stronger, a stronger Googler than that. There it is, right there. I searched. Okay, so for those of you that want to see it, I searched Brock Purdy pass falling. The second picture on my Google browser using Chrome is the pass I'm talking about. He's about six inches off the ground, completely la- as if he was laying on a on an invisible mattress, and he's throwing the ball forward. And I think he gets it back to the line of scrimmage. And then if you go a few a few pictures down, it shows it again from like behind him. So Purdy has a little bit of a little bit of snap to him, a little bit of little bit of gamer, a little bit of uh, you know. I think he's done some no look passes in the past. He just has a little bit of that gunslinger to him that just makes him fun to watch. Okay, so keep an eye out for that. I believe he had a. A sidearm throw to Ayuk that he almost completed, but he's he's got a little bit of that. But Purdy, great game again. Uh, I I sent a text. Let me see if he's text back yet. Let me see. Is this him? No, he hasn't text back yet. I sent a text to KP saying, "Is he him yet?" <laughs> because we we've kind of been going back and forth trying to figure out if like Brock Purdy's for real. Like if how much how much of our chips can we push forward into that conversation? And he just keeps going. Today, he completed 15 of 22 passes, 68%, 234 yards. That's 10.6 yards a clip. He had two touchdowns and one interception that was entirely Juwan Jennings' fault. And I'm not—I'm one of the last people that will get on here and bitch and moan about Juwan Jennings because that man knows how to play receiver. He's probably their most reliable third down option. They have statistically. And he blocks his ass down the field, but that one was on him. Purdy kind of hit him right in the lower hip, just a kind of an easy, easy catch. You lower your hands for a receiver. Uh, he couldn't catch it there, so he kind of tipped it up to like his eye level, and then he tipped it again way too high. And a defensive, I believe, a linebacker was able to pick it off, and that was that. So that interception, pretty much the only interception Purdy has thrown since he started with, um. No, that was his second one because he had that like punt interception, right? Against when I say the the Dolphins, but not worried about it. Both of Purdy's interceptions that he's thrown so far are mostly harmless. So very impressive. In his last four games, I want to say, I have them written down, but I just wanted to clarify. But I believe Purdy is 73 of 106, that's 69%, nice, 846 yards, 8 yards per attempt, 8 total touchdowns, including his rushing touchdown. Over the course of a season, that would be right around 3,500 yards and 38 total touchdowns. I mean, the man is playing legitimately good football, and it has been fun to watch and it, every week I go into a game and I'm going to say okay especially against a defense like the commanders that's solid is this the game where Purdy's going to get brought back down to earth and he just keeps slinging it 
And it's very clear that Kyle Shanahan and Purdy are operating on a, on a different level. A lot of me wants to, not a lot of me, but some of me wants to say, well, Kyle Shanahan's just in his bag right now. Well, there's also a bigger part of me that wants to say Kyle Shanahan has always been in his bag and Brock Purdy understands this offense and is able to operate it in a way that makes it look like it's second nature. That's the best case scenario that what we're seeing from Purdy is what it is. You know, watching a little Irishman, it is what it is. Okay, so and it, it may just be this way because this is the second solid defense that Purdy has gone against, the last being the Bucks, both of which he just did his damn thing. So I don't, as much as there's that little voice in the back of my head saying that, you know, this rookie quarterback that was the last pick in the draft like six months ago, is somehow going to come crashing down to earth, just might be a little glass half empty. Maybe he's actually doing the damn thing. We saw what's probably his deepest shot through the air against the commanders. Beautiful ball right down the middle, about 44 yards of, of air travel, which is not mind-blowing by any means. But if you look at the trajectory of the ball, I think it was clear that if Purdy wanted to, he could throw it further. But that's a pretty good chuck. Uh, there's, there, there's, there's not that many circumstances where a quarterback needs the ball to travel further than like 45, 50 yards in the air. So, you know, especially if the throw is well-timed. Now, if you're just moving around and, and you realize the receivers come open, you know, 50 yards downfield, obviously we've seen that the, the, the Josh Allen, the Patrick Mahomes make those throws. But very good throw, very good, very good sign for Purdy to be able to chuck it deep down like that, especially with the trajectory he had it. Hit George Kittle for the touchdown. It was meant to be Ray Ray McLeod, Ray Ray McLeod but Kittle didn't have any qualms about saying, oh, I don't care, man. I've had a ton of touchdowns taken away from me to penalties, so he did not feel bad about snatching one. What Kittle was supposed to do was it looked like they were kind of running a too-high safety look um, Ray Ray McLeod was going to basically run a, a post right in between the safeties and Kittle was going to run a, a, almost a, a post himself to keep the left safety occupied. Either it's keeping the left safety occupied or it's moving the safety um, so that uh, McLeod can be open. Either one, same concept, but Kittle saw nothing but open grass down the middle of the field and he just ran for it and Purdy threw him right to him. And Purdy even said after the press conference that he was definitely throwing it to McLeod, but nobody cares, man. They caught it. Touchdown. We're moving on. Let me get you a couple of tweets here. Here we go. So this one's by Field Yates, ESPN Fantasy Football Aficionado. Here is it, and this is what he said. Here's a list of every quarterback since 1950 to throw for multiple touchdowns with a 100-plus passer rating in each of his first three starts. Dan Marino and Brock Purdy. That's fun. Attached with a picture of Brock Purdy floating in midair. And then we go down here. We've got one from NFL Research. Only two players have started their careers 3-0 with multiple touchdown passes in each game since QB starts were first tracked in 1950. Kind of a very similar stat. But this one, it's Brock Purdy and Kurt Warner. So, in case you missed it, Purdy is destined to be a quarterback of Dan Marino and Kurt Warner quality. It's guaranteed. It's written in stone. It is what it is. It is what it is. As you can tell, George Kittle had himself a big game. Over the last two games, George Kittle has 10 catches for 213 yards and four touchdowns. Everyone loves to say that the best friend of a young quarterback is a good tight end, and we are seeing that in full form. Brock Purdy and George Kittle are on another level together. As, as much as Juwan Jennings is probably beating himself up over that tip pass turned interception, he also put on a show for Kittle's second touchdown. It was just kind of Kittle in the flat, maybe about five yards downfield. Uh, Purdy was running a boot, hit Kittle, and... Jennings was, uh, I think that Kittle said in the press conference that he knew he was going to be open and he told everybody else to just block their ass off. And right after Kittle caught the ball and went to turn up field, 
In comes into the frame. Juwan Jennings blocking his man into the dirt. Pancake throwing him into the dirt. And George Kittle cuts it back towards the middle of the field and takes it for a score. So if Jennings is really that upset about his drop, which any self-respecting receiver would be, he can take a little solace in knowing that he blocked one of the players that would have would have that possibly could have put a stop to Kittle's touchdown there. So all is well as far as as far as 49ers fans should be concerned. Ray Ray McLeod had a super sweet touchdown on like a play that we were very used to Debo Samuel running that Kyle Shanahan said afterwards was a play that he kind of talked some shit on Debo, gave him a little bit of a ribbing and saying that like, oh, well, we haven't had much success with this play in the past, but I think now we've got a better guy to run it, meaning it went from Debo to McLeod. Perfectly blocked up, outside run to the right. Christian McCaffrey was the lead blocker. Mike McGlinchey was sealing the edge. Mike McGlinchey pancaked his guy. McCaffrey was double teaming his man with with someone else. I'm not sure who it was, whether it was Jennings or Ayuk. And they took he cut right through this perfect gap and just broke it down the right sideline, and nobody was going to catch him. I mean, that's your that's your kick and punt, kick and punt returner right there. No one was going to touch him. Huge 75, 71 yard score. Pretty impressive. Uh, even more impressive for this offense was the second half. Now it was not without fail. Um, you're talking there were three drives in the fourth quarter where the 49ers got the ball in Washington territory but were unable to score. You know, and that that's never that's never a good thing. But at the same time, you're talking about a second half that consisted of in terms of drives, touchdowns, punt, touchdown, field goal, field goal, field goal, touchdown. No matter how you slice it, that is 30 points and a half. That's big time. Okay, that is that is points. And that is just as much of a pat on the defense's back as it is the offense. Because this first uh, in the fourth quarter, the 49ers first drive started on the San Francisco's 40, then on Washington's 11-yard line, then on Washington's 25-yard line, and then on Washington's 33-yard line. That is a hat tip to the defense right there. I believe on both of those field goals, the middle ones, when they started on the Washington 11 and in 25. No, it was the two drives before that. When they started on Washington's 40 and Washington's, or excuse me, San Francisco's 40 and Washington's 11, both of those show negative five yards in penalties. That was because on two consecutive drives, Mike McGlinchey uh, fall started right when the 49ers were approaching the red zone, which is not a good look. You know, it's every player makes mistakes, but to make the same mistake twice or consistently is, is a big no, no in the NFL. So thankfully, you know, Mike McGlinchey comes with his ups and downs. I know a lot of people love to pile on the dude does his job most of the time, but when he's not doing his job, it's, it's to an extent that greatly puts him in the spotlight, which is just not something an offensive lineman ever wants unless it's doing something hella cool. So super, I, I can't tell you exactly when those plays were, but two very poorly timed false starts from Mike McGlinchey. Both times, I want to say the 49ers were inside the Washington 10-yard line. That's a rough look. But back to the point, that is an offense that's humming for 30 points in the second half in a game where it was seven to seven at the half. It was a tie game. It looked like anybody's ball game and the 49ers came out the second half, just lighting it up. I mean, look at this field position on the first touchdown drive. The 49ers started on their own 24, but then you've got starting on their own 43, Washington, 34, their own 40, Washington, 11, Washington, 25, Washington 33. It's like a perfect segue into getting into the defense because that happens when a defense does their job and is stifling the opponent or when a defense beats your ass so bad that you got to switch back to your other quarterback. Not that Tyler Heineke was the problem, by the way. I I mean, Heineke wasn't doing great, but I felt like anybody watching that game could see that any quarterback back there is, is getting the hell beat out of him. But to Carson Wentz's 
defense, he did leave an 11-play, 82-yard drive for a score, which was thrown right over the top of Jimmy Ward. But, you know, anyways, that was just my take in the moment. I was like, really? They think a quarterback change is going to fix this? But I don't know. Let's transition to the defense. I am calling it now. And this is not a bold prediction. If I were to act like it was, it would be silly as hell. Nick Bosa is your defensive player of the year because that man added on another two sacks today. His box score was seven total tackles, two sacks, four quarterback hits, two tackles for loss, and a forced fumble. That dude is on fire and is now up to 17 and a half sacks for the season, breaking his personal best, leading the NFL. I believe he also leads the NFL in quarterback pressures. I mean, what more do you want? Nothing. He's he's the NFL's defensive player of the year, and anything else is is a travesty. I mean, man, sorry, little pause there. Just had to clear my throat and didn't want every single one of you to have to hear it. I do need to like blow my nose right now, but that's another thing you don't have to hear. And I don't I don't like editing stuff out. Like, no, I'm not going to make you hear me blow my nose. But it's like, I just want you guys to get the real shit, the real me, the unedited, uncensored, director's cut. Now, here's a little qualm I have with Nick Bosa's two-sack performance. It should have been three. I don't understand how a two-point conversion... A sack on a two-point conversion doesn't count. Like, I get it. It's the extra point. It's the extra play. But if they complete the pass or run it in, those two points sure as hell count. So a sack or an interception or anything else done during that play should also count. If you want to add two-point conversions to a quarterback stat, if it's important enough for people and and add them to receivers, and then add them. But the idea that a play on a football field, especially one that results in points, doesn't count towards your sack count is stupid to me. It's stupid. Like, it's a play, and it's a play that results in points, and it's a play that's more important than a lot of the other plays you see in a football game. This one is with points on the line, and Nick Bosa gets a sack, and it doesn't count because it's during a two-point conversion. To me, it should be worth more than a sack. Oh, you want two points? Oh, well, I get two sacks. How about that? Anyways, that's silly, but y'all get my point. It's it's a play with more at stake than your average play, typically. And it doesn't count? I don't know about that. Y'all need to adjust it. Adjust. Make a change. I'm going to make some calls. I'm going to make some calls. This was a weird game for the 49ers defense. It was dominant, but it also showed maybe a couple little chinks in the armor. In a way, not necessarily to the point where like, it didn't show anything that the Chiefs didn't already show. Now, I'm not saying that this defense is, is firing on the same number of cylinders that they were against the Chiefs, but... A weird, it was just a weird performance for the defense. They gave up 20 points. They gave up a drive there at the end of, uh, in the fourth quarter that actually brought the game to within a score. When, or no, within two scores, excuse me. But when the 49ers, or excuse me, when the commanders scored that touchdown, it made it 20 to 30 with 351 left in the game. Crazier things have happened. So it's not like that score was inconsequential. It's not like it was garbage time. Are the odds good that the commanders are going to win the game at that point? Absolutely not. They went for an onside kick after that score. One of the worst onside kicks I've ever seen. The kicker tried to almost flip himself around and kick it the other direction. And it went like six yards and then started rolling backwards. And one of the worst onside kicks I've ever seen. But point being... 49ers gave up a big drive when the game wasn't necessarily over yet. So it's not like you can just completely absolve them of that drive and they were playing their backups. There was a lot of things. The the Washington did okay on third down. They got seven of 13 third downs. That's over 50%. That's pretty good. 
Anytime you're flirting for 50%, you're on the right track. For example, the 49ers that put up 37 points, they were only 4 of 11 on first on third down. Now, what you don't see in that stat is that it seemed like Washington went for it on fourth down. I don't know. Let's go see. Possessions. Turnover on downs, turnover on downs. Okay, so they went for it on fourth down at least twice and didn't get it. But I felt like it was more than that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But they also, I mean, you've got two turnover on downs, which is a turnover for a defense. Then you'd also got a fumble and an interception right there. So the defense did still did its thing. But they gave up a lot of third and longs, and the cornerback group got a little tested. Whether it was Diamondor Lenore or Chance Womack coming in to replace Lenore briefly and getting dunked on by Terry McLaurin, which many corners get dunked on by Terry McLaurin. But that corner opposite Charvarius Ward was going through it. Was going through it. I mean, if you look at the receivers' performance on Washington, the numbers aren't bad. Terry McLaurin had four catches for 77 yards and a touchdown. Jahan Dotson had six catches for 76 yards and a touchdown. Curtis Samuel had five catches for 52 yards and a touchdown. Those were all the guys that we talked about before the game that could kind of make things interesting for the 49ers. You know, and for them to now, again, they're playing from behind. So, of course, they're just going to start slinging it. But it does make you wonder a little bit if there is a vulnerable spot on that 49ers defense being the corner opposite Charvarius Ward, but then you look, and the touchdown to Curtis Samuel was given up by Jimmy Ward, the safety, who also had his own interception in that game. So it was a weird, a weird back and forth, a weird give and take, and and a little bit more give than we're used to the 49ers def- seeing them give up. But at the same time, still a pretty good, damn good effort. They only gave they only gave up 2.4 yards per carry on the ground. Washington ran it tw- 33 times and only managed 79 yards at 2.4 yards a pop. That's dominant on the ground, and that's what forced them to go through the air. But again, they Washington found some success on the air. Now, McLaurin had a 51-yard bomb where he just went up over, I believe it was Chance Womack for that for that for that play. So not exactly a play that you would expect. To give up often, but it was given up. It is what it is. Taylor Heineke completed 72% of his passes for 166 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. That's why I thought it was a little weird when they took out Heineke. Like, he was, to me, it seemed like he was doing everything he could be doing against a defense like the 49ers. And then Carson Wentz comes in and completes 12 passes for 123 yards and his own touchdown. Very similar passer ratings, 114 to 117. But just an interesting game, kind of like the Seattle game. Washington was able to do just enough against the 49ers to keep them honest, to keep them figuring out how they could be better. It would take another watch, another detailed watch through to kind of see where a lot of these third and longs were given up. Who was at fault? There was a touchdown to Jahan Dotson where it looked like Talanoa Hufanga and Yamador Lenore were communicating on who was who was flat, who was deep. I'm of the first impression that the strong safety would take flat and the corner would take deep. But I know a few of you guys on Twitter thought it was the inverse. 
you know, it just depends on on what coverage they're running and how they rotate coverages. And but I mean, if if not, I mean, they were in the red zone. But if you're going to talk about a guy being responsible for the deeper part of the field, you would want it to be a corner and not a strong safety. But doesn't matter. It looked like Lenore was the one chasing him at the end, but that could have just been the fact that Hufanga was so out of position that his only the only his only choice was to try and get back there and see if he could make something of it. But just a few weird things. Um, McLaurin's pass was, I believe, on uh, with Hufanga in coverage too. Hufanga was right there. It was just more of a great placement and a great catch. Curtis Samuel, like I said, was over the top of Jimmy Ward, who later had his own interception. Just a, a lot of little, like little plays, a little little annoyances for this 49ers defense that maybe we're not used to seeing. But overall, a pretty damn good effort. You know, they were they were clearly dominant. You know, if you look at the possessions for Washington, punt, punt, turnover on downs, punt, touchdown, punt, turnover on downs, touchdown, fumble, interception, touchdown, game's over. So it's like all of these, these overall, it would seem like a dominant effort with just these little tiny lapses in judgment, lapses in coverage, lapses in assignment that, hey, I mean, if you're worried about what McLaurin, Dotson, and Samuel can do to you, get ready for the playoffs because better groups are coming. So just a little, an interesting game for the 49ers defense. Certainly didn't get exposed, didn't get beat up on. Again, stifled the run like a championship team, but just weird, weird, weird performance for them. A weird performance for them. I'm trying to Think if there's anything else that I should mention on them. I'm just looking at all my notes. But I think that that about wraps it up for the defense. Again, not a flawless performance, a very good performance. Something that they can build on. I'm not too worried about it. Let's move our asses over to your takeaways. Again, going to be a little bit shorter of a pod. We're already at 30 minutes. I'm sure you're already tired of hearing my stuffy voice. I do apologize for that, but I wasn't about to not show up. You know what I mean? I'm not, I I had a takeaway tweet to send off. We had shit to do. I am not backing out of this on Christmas Eve. Uh, So I, I appreciate if you're listening because I know I sound like crap, but trust me. I feel better than I sound. So I appreciate you for listening uh, listening to my bum ass. All right, let's head down. You know what? I'm going to take um, a two-second moment of silence, which will happen to include me blowing my nose before we get to the takeaways, but I'm not going to make you hear that. I'm going to click the mute button, but I'm just keeping you on the loop, you know? Okay, we're good. Hopefully there's a noticeable sound difference. Probably not, but just, hey, transparency. Y'all know what I mean? Transparency, solidarity. Let's go. Babyface Bands is kicking us off on the takeaways. We're starting from the bottom. Let's go. Started from the bottom. Now we're here. Okay. Secondary needs to grow the fuck up. That's the first comment. And it, I mean, hey, it fits on what we were just talking about. Now that, again, we, we saw little lapses at all levels of the secondary. We saw Hufanga miss some plays. We saw Lenore miss some plays. We saw Womack miss some plays. And that's exactly what they're going to have to do. They're young players that are going to have to grow the fuck up. Okay, so as as harsh as that may sound, that's really what it is. And kind of reminds me of Ambry Thomas, who was inactive for this game. But last year, how we saw him literally grow the fuck up on the field. Started out almost getting exposed and picked on, and then ended up sending the 49ers officially to the playoffs with an interception in Levi's South. So that's kind of where we're at with this group. There are some of them that are going to need to just grow up and that's the way it is. All right, John McGlinchey is a problem. A lot of tip balls fell the 49ers way on offense could have been a lot worse. Yeah. We did have at least two or three tip passes that just kind of bounced up and fell onto the grass, even though they were in the kind of in the middle of the field where you don't want to see them fall. I don't know what to make of, I honestly, guys, don't know what to make of Mike McGlinchey. I know that he is good or very good on most plays, but he's also bad or very bad on on some plays. So, and maybe that's not even an accurate assessment. You know, I've got to get 
maybe like Brandon Thorne on here, one of the offensive line guys, just to break it down. We could talk about how good Trent Williams is and, and what to make of Mike McGlinchey. Uh, because he's just, in the end, there's too much of a spotlight. How many times did, did you hear Trent Williams talked about today? Not really once, if at all. He had a clean sheet. He didn't allow a pressure or a sack all day. And you just never, he also didn't have two consecutive false starts in the red zone. Didn't have a spotlight on him. The only spotlight an offensive lineman wants is talking about him pancaking somebody. So I'm not sure if Mike McGlinchey technically qualifies as a, is the level of player that you would consider a problem, but maybe he is. We'll see. I believe right now he's playing on his fifth year option, if I'm not mistaken. Or is that? So, yeah. He is. So we'll see where that goes. It'll be interesting to watch. Jittery G. 69 is a liability. That's Mike McGlinchey, by the way. He cannot pass pass block one-on-one. Niners need to cut ties this offseason, and maybe they will. I mean, I'm not sure they could justify re-signing him unless they were getting him on a, on the cheap or on a, on, a, on a team rate. I'm sure some team would be willing to, to throw quite a bit of money at him that the 49ers probably won't be able to be willing to. But it's um, we might be getting to that point. I'm just always hesitant to go that far. First and foremost, because I am not an offensive line guy, and I don't see what happens every play, you know, down in and down out. So I don't want to just pile on Mike McGlinchey without really knowing for sure <laughs> how big of a liability he is. But I'm certainly not saying Jittery G and John are wrong. Niner. At Sir James Niner. Bosa is good. Bosa is pretty good. He's pretty good. Purdy can play. Yes, he can. McGlinchey is a liability. Man, McGlinchey is just getting one, two, three in the first three takeaways. Bam, bam, bam. I think he's he's on the ground, breathing like a fish right now. At least in terms of his stock via the takeaways. Mark Dean. No. No, you told me this. You told I. I got your name right, and now I'm saying it wrong. I'm not okay with what's happening right now. I need to go. I'm gonna search. Oh, I'm gonna let me see if I can copy and paste this. This is we're we're going off the rails right now, and I really really don't care because I don't like messing people's name up. So while I'm talking, I'm gonna be going to Twitter. I'm gonna be searching his handle with my handle, so that like it's basically bringing up all tweets that were both of us were mentioned in it, and. I should find the tweet where he told me how to pronounce his name. This is serious stuff right now. I don't think I don't think anybody out there realize and now everybody's realizing that Rob is going off the rails. It's pronounced like Dane. You had it right the first time. So I did have it right. Let's go. Mark Dane. Let's go. I'm getting All right. Sorry guys. Hey, come back guys. Sit down. Come back. Come back. We're we'll get back on task. Sit down. Don't walk away. Come here, sit down. All right, Mark Dane. Sorry, Mark, I got a little excited there. Awesome to see Kittle getting utilized in the pass game again. Yeah, no shit, man. I mean, seriously, he's looking like his record-breaking year right now. You almost wish. No, I mean, I loved watching Jimmy G play this year. He was playing great. But it's clear that Purdy favors him, and had Purdy been playing longer throughout the year, Kittle's numbers would have been much higher. I haven't really seen it consistently in a while. Washington was tough. Physical team. It was nice to see that this 49ers team not only hang, but overcome. Let's fucking go. He, that was that was in there too. LFG. Uh, I agree. And, and, and I said that leading up to this, this game, that the Washington team is like a 49ers light. They want to run the ball like crazy, but they've got good receivers to beat you with if they want to, and they've got a decent quarterback. Now, Brock Purdy may be proving that he's better than decent, but they're it, facing Washington is, is a lot like facing the 49ers, just not quite as daunting. So it was good to see the 49ers overcome a team like that, that you knew was going to be scrappy. They're well coached. They're physical. They, um, you know, they'll beat you in the same way the 49ers will beat you if you let them. But the 49ers took them out of their element, stopped the run, and forced them to throw. And while they had some success with that, it, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. Boringer said, now all the attention at Nakatomi Plaza. If you don't know, Nakatomi Plaza is the building that Die Hard takes place. And I'm assuming this is this is just a uh, um, a backhanded way of saying that Beringer Boringer believes 
that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I can't say I'm I, if there was a way to see how many people were listening to the pod right at this moment, even though I'm recording it live and you're not listening to it live. I guarantee you the numbers are going to lower in about two seconds because I don't believe that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. And as fun as I know it is to say that it is, it just doesn't fall under my mindset of what a Christmas movie is. To me, a, a Christmas movie is a movie that relies upon the tradition of Christmas. Christmas is woven into the story. And if Christmas were removed from that movie, the movie would not work or would be drastically different. Whereas Die Hard is an action movie that just happens to take place on Christmas. You could make it Thanksgiving and the movie would be almost exactly the same. But that being said, I love the movie. I got no problems with people calling it a Christmas movie. Do I agree? No. Are they obnoxious about it? Yes. But if that makes your Christmas, if that helps you feel that warmth in your heart that it's Christmas time and you it just makes you happy, then watch Die Hard and call it a Christmas movie. I just want y'all to be happy and enjoy the holidays like I do. But I've made my feelings known. I love you. Chad Arnold. Coach Arnold, 18. Purdy seems to be getting consistent pressure on boots. Do you think that's poor play action on his part? Teams playing it well or a tendency? It also felt like for the first... Let's handle that question first. Do you think that's um, the consistent... Do I think the consistent pressure on boots, play action boots, is a poor play action, teams playing it well, or a tendency? I think it's more of the latter two. Because I noticed that noticed that this year with Trey and with Jimmy. And I think it's the fact that Kyle Shanahan and offenses that are like Kyle Shanahan's have used that play action boot to abuse teams so much that teams are beginning to playing it well. What they're probably doing is saying, look, if your backside uncovered, I want you to push hard towards the quarterback's outside shoulder. That way, if he boots, you are automatically in a position to chase him down better. Now, Purdy's a little quicker than Jimmy G when it comes to like a 10-yard burst. So even though those teams seem like they're playing it well, he could still kind of use it and get out there and, and make a play. I don't think it's poor play action. It could be. I'd have to look at it. But I've noticed going all the way back to Jimmy G and Trey Lance that teams were starting to play that boot really well. And if if a team truly gets, you know, if they can see it, if they can pick up on a tendency, then that's when that play can be dangerous because it could almost be an instant sack. But right now I think teams are just playing it well and Birdie's, Purdy's quickness kind of makes it, can make it still effective. But I don't think it's poor play action. But I have noticed, I think that's a good observation, the fact that teams have started to get that play action boot under wraps, at least make it to where it's an uncomfortable throw. But did George Kittle score on a, was that a play action boot when he rolled and, and hit George Kittle? I'm not sure if it if it was. It seemed like it was just by memory. But I think that's a good question. It's good to think about. And it's something I think we should all pay attention to moving forward. Uh, next part of your, your takeaway. It also felt like for the first time, a team consistently beat us with deep ball and contained McCaffrey. Do you see that continuing? Uh, I don't necessarily see the deep ball stuff continuing. I think that's kind of what the defense and, and, um, D'Amico Ryans are going to really kind of tighten down on, on what mistakes were made. And, and and again, maybe that's going to be one positive of this win when it comes to the 49ers defense struggling a bit is, they can figure out what their mistakes were with those deep were with those deep balls before they're playing against, you know, Devontae Adams, before they hit the Cardinals again and before the playoffs. Um, the containing McCaffrey, I saw that as like a that was their game plan. Look, we're not gonna get beat by the run slash little Christian McCaffrey passes. Let's make this seventh round rookie throw the ball. And he did. They, you know, the only part of that plan was Every linebacker that that spies Christian McCaffrey and follows him over on these boots is is being it's a vacating a zone that George Kittle is running right into. So I do feel like that they they decided they were going to contain McCaffrey and they did it pretty well. They did it really well, um, but they exposed themselves to other plays. And I think Kyle Shanahan is perfectly fine with a defense selling out or. 
um, devoting significant manpower to containing McCaffrey because then you're going to get what you saw the day, which is a lot of space for dudes to run. I mean, even Brandon Ayuk had that big play. So that's that's kind of where I am. I'm not necessarily sure if I see that continuing, but I don't think the 49ers necessarily care if it does, if this is the result, if that makes sense. Good questions there, Coach, or Coach Arnold. Let's go. The King Bala 06, best linebacker. Just put, all he wrote was best LB, period. I mean, hey, take your pick. Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, they're both among the best linebackers in the league and the best tandem in the league. So, hey, either way, you're correct. JF, too fresh. Victory Christmas Day is going to be sweet. Yes, it is. It's coming right around the corner. I'm recording this at 7 p.m. Christmas Eve. Let's go. A huge Merry Christmas to you and the Striking Gold fam. Hey, Merry Christmas to you as well, too fresh. I appreciate you and all the support and always being up in the uh, takeaways. And and like you said, a huge Merry Christmas to all the rest of the Striking Gold family. Y'all here? I feel like we would have one hell of a, uh, a Secret Santa gift exchange. My takeaway. How different were all how different were we all feeling the first month of the season? Wondering if Kyle was on the hot seat, Jimmy, the defense, Trey, now we're rolling, team should be scared. I agree, man. I don't think there's really any team in the NFL that looks forward to facing the 49ers and not even really the Chiefs. You know, I like we talked about this. That Chiefs game, if you go back to it, I probably wouldn't be able to get to it as quickly as I want to. The Chiefs scored on basically every possession, but here it is right here. It was a pretty close game, and I feel like, you know, if you is it going to be like that again if they face? I don't know, but let's see where we're at right here. Um, 49ers scored a touchdown at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Let me go to scoring. There it is right there. And that made it, so at the beginning of the fourth quarter, that game was 28-23 KC. That's a five-point game. KC goes on a six-play drive, scores, makes it 35-23. Then Jimmy Garoppolo runs out of the back of the end zone for safety. That makes it 37-23. And then there's one more touchdown to cap off the game, put it away for good. It was already pretty much that way, but 44-23. But again, go back to that game. Beginning of the fourth quarter, that was a 28-23 game. So, you, you know, when you're talking beginning of the season vibes and the way things felt, I think that that this team has evolved. I think that they've become smarter. I think they've become more self-aware. I think they've become, began to hone in on what they're good at. So, you know, it, it has changed a lot since the beginning of the season, you know, in so many ways. And I think that's why Kyle Shanahan is the runner-up for coach of the year. But you know, the Eagles just lost to Dallas. Maybe Kyle Shanahan starts squeaking up, moving up against uh, Sirani over there in uh, Philadelphia. But yeah, I mean, such a different vibe. Hey, but too fresh. That's what eight wins in a row will do for you. And we talked about this at the beginning of the season. Like, oh, great. Look, the 49ers have once again put themselves in a position to need to win hella games in a row. And here we are eight games later. What a trip. What a trip. You know what? I am going to take another two-second break. Blow your nose break. We're taking a quick TV timeout. And boom. There we go. We're back. Nicole Marie. Nicole Marie. Very happy with halftime adjustments. And now per and how hurty per <laughs> tongue, tongue twister. Let's just start over. Let's just start over for Nicole Marie. Very happy with halftime adjustments and how Purdy handled the pressure from Washington. Their D-line is legit and probably the best he will face the rest of this year. Uh, that's probably correct. The, the Washington defensive front is no joke. Like we talked about earlier in the week, over half of their sacks are from their two interior defensive linemen. So that is one hell of a unit. And like she said, in terms of halftime adjustments, we already talked about this, but I mean, halftime against the the commanders went like this. Touchdown, punt, touchdown, field goal, field goal, field goal, touchdown. No matter how you slice it, yes, you want some of those touchdowns to be field goals, 
but that is 30 points at a halftime. So whatever adjustments they made coming out of a, a seven to seven first half, that's that's pretty solid. And yeah, Purdy handled himself well. And that's might be his strongest trait. Have any of you guys seen Brock Purdy look frazzled, look nervous, make a throw that just looked like he didn't know what he was doing or seeing? Maybe that, that one throw that should have been picked off against Seattle. And there was another one I can't remember against two. It kind of bounced off the hands of a linebacker. But the dude is just humming. The dude is humming. All right. Mike McVay. Love that Bosa got two sacks. Defense showed out again. This was a good battle for Purdy to prep him for the playoffs. Proud of how he bounced back in the second half after a slow start to the first. Go Niners. Merry Christmas, everyone. I love it. I love it. And, and you know, again, Nick Bosa, I think he's wrapped up defensive player of the year. Defense did show out. Had a little few, had a, had some notes they can take, but still with pretty damn good. And uh, and I think that your you know Nicole and Mike's comments go well together in the fact that talks about how they bounced back in the second half and talked about just how good this defense that Purdy was going up against really is and how it could be it could have given him just a little more confidence heading into the playoffs knowing what that defense is capable of. All right, we got Sograz. Great comeback in the second half. Really started rolling. When it comes to getting guys open, it is Kyle and Andy. Big gap than everybody else. Yep, I agree. I agree. Referring to Andy Reid of the Chiefs, I agree. I mean, look, think about all those Travis Kelsey receptions where you're just like, damn, how did you forget about Travis Kelsey? Kyle's doing the same thing with uh, with George Kittle. And, and really, anybody he wants to do it with. But one for five in the red zone, have to clean that up. Cowboys and Eagles will punish you for that. Yeah, I agree. One for five in the red zone is never okay. And and it just, it's weird how like, it's almost like Kyle, and I think this has been said before, but it's almost like Kyle Shanahan's, man, we're already at 50 minutes. What the hell? I thought this was going to be short. Let's roll. I'm not rushing. We're good. It's almost like Kyle Shanahan's offense struggles without space. You know, that's probably an oversimplification, but I think that Kyle Shanahan's offense relies so much on misdirection and getting guys yards after the catch and creating these voids that when they get into the red zone, they cannot do that anymore. And you've got to have plays drawn up that help guys win one-on-one matchups. And, you know, I don't think the 49ers are statistically bad in the red zone team. I, I thought I remember seeing positive stuff about them earlier, but yeah, one for five is not okay. Um, it's against a solid defense, but those are in the. You're right in the playoffs. One for five in the red zone will get you. Uh, will get you sent home pretty quick. All right, CMC is an undefeated 49er. Damn, you're right, he is. 49ers overcome a shabby playoff outsider and some questionable officiating to win in convincing fashion. Great teams beat bad, beat bad ones every time. Yep, Hope Ward's head is okay, and let's all look forward to dominating the Raiders. Merry Mother F and Christmas, Niner fans. Oh, that's great. And then it's George Kittle doing his little his little uh first down celebration where he puts a puts it on top, but it's got a little photoshopped uh star in his hand. He's putting it on top of a Christmas tree. That's outstanding. Um what did you say in there that that ha- ha- made me Oh, Ward. Okay, I I didn't get the impression from Kyle Shanahan that Charvarius Ward's nausea was related to the concussion protocol. Now, you obviously, your first bet is to put those two things together and say, the dude just got out of concussion protocol. Now he has nausea after playing a game or during playing a game. I, I think it's, I think it would be fair if you assume those two things were related. But Kyle Shanahan didn't seem like there was. He just said he was nauseous. The doctors checked him out and he was good. So hopefully that's the case. Hopefully he's not experiencing more symptoms from a concussion that were kind of either undiagnosed because like we said, he was cleared. So anyways, let's keep rolling. Alan Chi, hard to tell if the DB group struggled today, struggled today, or we've grown to expect the defense to be lights out every week. Either way, I hope John and Kyle keep drafting cornerback and safety. Depth isn't nearly as good as defensive line and linebacker. I think that's a fair question, but I think when all three receivers scored one touchdown, and there were s- several big plays, you know, and when you look at their box score stats, 
you know, Terry McLaurin's biggest play was 51 yards. Jahan Dotson's biggest play was 25 yards. Curtis Samuel's biggest play in his touchdown was 20 yards. Those are probably bigger chunks than the 49ers are used to giving up, especially that 51 yarder and then a touchdown to the same guy right after. Now, again, that's, those are low percentage plays that Washington hit on at least the 51 yarder is. So I think it's fair to question whether or not they're struggling and they just hit the big plays. They're not used to them hitting, but I, I do agree in the fact that keep drafting corners and safeties. I don't even care if you're drafting a corner super high because it would be, it would behoove this defense to have another guy opposite Charvarius Ward, who's been excellent. Um, so that's something to talk about as we get closer to draft season. Patrick Holloway, my former friend from Niners Nation. I don't mean former friend, period. I just mean we were, we were formally together at Niners Nation. My friend that also used to work at Niners Nation. Because I miss you, bud, and miss our time at the old place, here's the question. It's not a it's it's not a come from behind score, but Brock Purdy delivered a fourth down dart when he absolutely needed it needed to is another box to check in if he's the guy list essentially. I agree. There was a fourth down throw that the 49ers went for, went for in the fourth quarter to essentially ice the game. Now let me get my play description here and flip it. There we go. Um, where is this Tutty? There we go. Brock Purdy, it was fourth and three. Brock Purdy passed short middle to George Kittle to the Washington's one-yard line for 10 yards. Direct following that play, Christian McCaffrey punches it in. And that made the game right there. That made it a 37-20 game instead of a 30-20 game at with three minutes and 12 seconds late. Essentially, you know, like we said, icing the game. That was the last score. Carson Wentz wasn't able to produce anything after that. So, in, in that moment, a fourth and three, trying to score some damn points, I, I mean, you're right. It's like you're either going to deliver or you're not. And he put it right on Kittle, who was very closely covered, and Kittle was able to catch the ball, got tackled right at the one. They punched it in. They, they got out of there, which is, again, that was, the, that was the icing on the cake of a 30-point second half. Big time. Last, but certainly not least, we've got Omar Figueroa, 49ers day D makes the opponent bench their starting quarterback. This D is going to take us deep. A lot of like a lot of a lot of a lot of pauses in there. Offense is stacked and flowing. Everyone did their part today for a solid win without Debo again. Eight in a row and still in the hunt for that number two seed, maybe even number one. Let's go. Quest for six is real. Hey, that's a good point, and that's a good way to end it. Um, the 49, if, if the Vikings lose one game, the 49ers get the number two seed. If the Eagles who are rumored to possibly be without Jalen hurts through week 17, through the end of the season, if they lose two, I believe then the 49ers would get the one seed. So long shot, but if the Eagles who just lost to the Cowboys, I believe they need to lose their next two games to Give the 49ers the one seed if if the Vikings also won lost one of those their, their remaining games. So a little confusing, but I think it comes down to needing the Vikings to lose one, the Eagles to lose two, which is not as as unlikely as it would have seemed given they've lost their starting quarterback for what might be the remainder of the regular season. So interesting. Good point by Omar. I think that kind of just sets the stage that there's still a lot to play for, and Kyle Shanahan has made it very clear they are taking no breaks. No one's getting time off. They are going to play their asses off into the postseason and see where they get. But, damn, I got on here expecting a short pod, and it, we're now 56 minutes in. I hope it was entertaining and you know bearable, given what my voice sounds like. But, Oh, man, I just felt like that was good content. We flowed right through that. Your guys' takeaways were freaking awesome. And it was a fun game to talk about, fun game to watch. But yeah, let's let's get out of here before I start run, runny nosing all over the place. But hey, I appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. Thank you for making this podcast as just so damn fun to do. I, I never thought doing a podcast by myself would be fun, would be entertaining, would be worth it, you know? And that doesn't mean I, I'm not getting a co-host. Trust me. I'm on the lookout, but I just didn't never expected that it would be this fun. I just, 
feel like it's a good time. Uh, so I appreciate you guys. And I, I truly wish you all uh, a happy holidays, uh, a Merry Christmas. If you celebrate it, um, I, I'm, yeah, I'll be talking to you guys before new year. So it's about to throw in a happy new year, but, um, again, I appreciate you guys. You guys are a huge Christmas gift for me. And just the fact that this pod has, has kind of evolved in the way it has. So appreciate you more than you guys know. Happy holidays. But hey, for another episode, y'all already know what it is. This is Striking Gold. I'm Rob. And we are signing out. an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 